Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nate. Today we have Chris Manili from Jaguar Sun joining us to talk about his newest record, This Empty Town, and we're going to go through just some general questions with him, then go track by track through the album. So if you haven't had a chance to check out the album, we highly suggest that you listen to Jaguar Sun's new album, This Empty Town, before listening to the interview. But even if you haven't listened to the album, feel free to continue listening as we talk with Chris. So Nate, are you ready to jump into this interview? Yes, sir. Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to take a quick moment and tell you about some good new music. I mean, that's the whole point of the podcast, to show good music. And we have a great single on a really strong EP from Cameron Brooks. That song is called Dakota. Singer-songwriter, Tyson Motzenbachery type of full band, uh, windows down, blasting the chorus. And here's a quick clip. Today we welcome Chris Manili, who makes music under the name Jaguar Sun. Chris just releases Lush and Nostalgic debut full length, This Empty Town, on July 24th of 2020 on Born Losers Records. Chris is here with us to answer some general questions about the record and his project, as well as go track by track with us through this record. Chris, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. So before we get into more serious questions about your music, we kind of want to feel you out with a segment called How Blank Are You? So today it's called How Jaguar Sun Are You? Where we're just going to ask you some either or questions because, you know, we're American, you're Canadian, and honestly, we just don't know how the interview is going to go with this nationalistic divide. So you might be too French for us. We might be too stupid and uncultured for you. So this is just a chance for us to get our feet wet and know what we're getting into for the rest of the interview on both sides. So does that sound good with you, Chris? Yeah, it sounds great. All right. Awesome. All right. Your first question is coffee or tea? Uh, coffee for sure. I'm drinking one right now. Nice. <laughs> Tim Hortons or Dunkin' Donuts? Uh, I have to say Tim Hortons because I haven't had Dunkin' Donuts, but I must say the Tim Hortons here, at least the ones around me, aren't, aren't that good. Oh. I'm not a big fan. I'm not. Okay. McDonald's coffee is better. Wow. Ooh. That is... Uh... That's I'll probably going to upset any Canadians listening. <laughs> well, maybe not. not. You're they Canadian, so if, yeah. All right. Well, Twin Peaks or Stranger Things? Um, uh, Stranger Things. I haven't seen Twin Peaks yet, although I, I definitely want to. It seems like a really wacky show. Yeah, it is, for sure. Uh, baseball parks or national parks? National parks. I really like being outside. Eating or Sleeping. Sleeping. For sure. Spring or fall? Uh, definitely fall. I like the colors a lot more. Can't can't beat the fall. Nights out or nights in? Nights out. Or no, no, nights in for sure. I'm a huge, huge introvert. I definitely like prefer to stay in than go out, no doubt. Reading or writing? Um, I honestly don't really do either enough. So neither. <laughs> <laughs> In the studio or on tour? Um, in the studio, for sure. Like, I've only ever played one live show. Um, so that's, like, a totally new endeavor for me. So I much prefer to be, like, in the studio making music right now, at least. So cats or dogs? Now, there's a caveat specifically on album covers. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to have to 
be biased and go with cats right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we figured. That's what we figured. Yeah. So a little context before this final question is that I am from Philly. Nate is from Boston. So we're just going to ask you, Boston or Philly? I've only ever been to Boston so far. So I've got to pick Boston. Chris, Chris, you have made long distance listening history. We have done all the interviews. No, we have done so many interviews and no one has picked Boston before today. Everyone goes Philly. Everyone goes Philly, which now means Nate is contractually obligated okay. to make Jaguar Sun his official band. Favorite artist of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He is now sponsored from Jaguar Sun and uh and yeah. Thank you so much for making Nate smile. Nate never smiles. Free McDonald's coffee for a year, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> if you're back in Boston, Nate's going to treat you to Dunkin' Donuts. And <laughs> I would actually do that. Yeah. <laughs> it might be my new favorite. I don't know. Could be. All right. Well, thanks uh, Thanks for that. And, uh, and we will move forward with more maybe album-specific or music-specific questions. So obviously with COVID-19, there's no touring happening right now. In America right now, a lot of venues have had to close, and it seems like it's going to be a while until bands can perform live in the States here. So what are things looking like in Canada at this point? And do you have any hopes or plans of upcoming tours or live shows online? Yeah, things are things are I guess we're we're slowly reopening things here, but like shows and things like that definitely are are still a no go. And I have no clue when those are gonna be okay again yet. Um so yeah, right now it's it's really just working towards uh like Twitch stream shows and, and live shows online, um, which I'm currently practicing for at the moment. But yeah, I'm really hoping that like when COVID is finally over like I would love to hit the road and start getting out there and like focus on the live show a lot more. And where can people find out the info for when that show happens? The Twitch stream. Yeah, I, I would post about it most on my Instagram. I think it's it's like the only social media that I can really keep up with at the moment. <laughs> So you released This Empty Town on July 24th, and it feels like such a summer record, but that could just be because we've been listening to it in the summer. Was it always meant to be a summer record, or did the pandemic affect the process of creating or releasing the record? Um, I I was kind of open to whenever it would be released, but I started recording it last summer. So like, I think the summer definitely had an influence on how it felt. And I definitely preferred or would have preferred to have it drop in the summer. So I'm kind of glad that it did. Um, the pandemic definitely did play into that, too. Like, I was kind of holding on to the songs, just making sure I had the right, like, avenue to release it. Um, and then I, I met the guys at Born Losers, and um, they were like, if you want to drop it here, we could drop it for the summer and get it out for anyone who might want something to listen to during the quarantine. And I was like, absolutely, I'm all for it. <laughs> Um, and yeah, then we picked July 24th to, to put it out. So we want to take it back to the beginning and then kind of move on from there. So first, how did you start playing music and how did that journey evolve into starting Jaguar Sun? Yeah, I always kind of played piano through my life. Like my parents started me at a really young age and I took lessons for a bit and then I kind of just continued with it. Um, and I played piano from like six until I was about maybe like 17 before I started trying like other instruments and practicing guitar and and I guess bass and and drums and stuff like that and then in just before college I think it was I went through a breakup and I was like I need something to do and it was kind of like a treat yourself moment so I went and got some recording equipment (laughs) a sampler and I was like I'm just going to start making music and see what happens. Um, so I started under the name Lone Beach and just like released like little like beats and like electronic tunes and things like that. And I was just kind of like hashing out what I wanted to make and how I wanted to make it. And then in closer to the end of college, as my thesis project, I started Jaguar Sun just as an excuse to like record more music because I was in school for graphic design and I didn't really have much time. So it's like, there's, there's got to be a way to bridge the two. 
so I, I decided to like design the album cover for like a potential album and then started recording the music for it. And then when I graduated, I cut most of the album and released the first EP, the little three song set under Jaguar Sun. And that's kind of where it all began. That's so interesting. So what is the backstory for the name Jaguar Sun? Yeah, um, I am horrible at, at naming anything like characters in video games or, or whatever you have. Like, I, I can't name it very well. So, like, it took months. And Jaguar Sun was just a result of me, like, combining two words. Like, I was like, Jaguar is cool. What goes with Jaguar? I was like, Jaguar uh, this, Jaguar that. And then I ended up on Jaguar Sun. And I was like, eh, it works. <laughs> so I stuck with it. That's awesome. All right, this album has some amazing production. Everything is layered perfectly, and every instrument sits perfectly in the final mix. What did production and recording for this album look like? Uh, yeah, um, I kind of started each, almost every single song I start with guitars usually. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll just start like layering and looping guitars, and then like bring in the drums, bring in the bass, bring in the synth, and kind of like build the song up to like its peak. And then at that point, that's when I kind of like start dissecting it and try to turn it into like a song and put the structure in the song, I guess. So yeah, like the, all the production happened like here in here in my room. Um, and I, I kind of did everything except for the guitar solo at the end of keep you warm, I guess. But it, yeah, just a lot of like layering, a lot of quantizing as well. That's why everything feels so like fit. I really like that electronic side of things where everything's like quantized and the drum hits are right on beat and everything like that. So I always like make everything aside from the instruments that I'm playing more naturally, like the guitar and the vocals and and the bass and things like that. Everything hits like right when it's supposed to. And I I just like like that aspect. So you don't write a lot of lyrics and you use a decent amount of repetition, but your lyrics, I wouldn't say they're lacking. When do you know that a song is finished from a lyrical standpoint? I guess when I just feel like I have enough. Like, I usually at least make sure I have, like, two verses. I usually don't have many lyrics happening in the chorus of a song. Usually, like, I let the instruments kind of take over at that point. So if I have, like, either one solid verse that I double for the second verse or have, like, lyrics enough for two individual, like, verses, I guess, I just, like, I'm done. Like, (laughs) that's good enough. I've never really been, like, a, a lyricist to begin with. It's relatively new to me, I guess. So I always like make sure I have the instruments handled first. I like focusing on that the most. And then the like, inst- I mean, I guess the vocals are kind of uh, not an afterthought. Like I definitely really care about them, but they always come like last. And I usually keep it pretty minimal because I'm not good at writing more. So speaking of your vocals, I think harmonies are such a big part of the record and your music as well. Why do you think they're such a staple for you? I just, like, I love when bands, like, incorporate a ton of harmonies, like the Beach Boys or Animal Collective and Panda Bear and even bands like Frightened Rabbit. Like, I guess I wasn't a huge fan of my voice individually. Like, if I had one vocal take, I didn't really like it as much. So I'd, like, do maybe, like, five layers of vocals singing the same line, and then I'd put in, like, three more doing harmonies and stuff just so I could (laughs) fill it out more and make it sound that much bigger. It was really just, like, a a stylistic choice and then obviously influenced from bands that I really like as well. So This Empty Town is extremely cohesive on all fronts, from production to instrumentation to songwriting to lyrics. I personally see it as like a concept album. I don't know if you see it that way. But you release six singles between your mini EP and this record. But for me, none of those singles would have really fit on the record. How intentional were you about writing songs that fit together for an album versus just writing individual songs? I was uh, I was very intentional about it this time around. I think because I put out so many singles before, I really wanted to do a project that felt cohesive. I was definitely ready to like take on a bigger task and like create songs that actually fit together as a set. And I don't think it necessarily started as a concept album, but I think it kind of quickly became one as I was writing all the lyrics. It, it all kind of just felt like this like wave of nostalgia, like hometown nostalgia, and and like looking back at the like good old days and like 
high school or just after high school when you had time to hang out with friends and <laughs> relationships and all of that stuff. And it, yeah, everything kind of zoned in on that, I guess. And I'm, I'm glad it did. So speaking of the singles and your EP, correct me if I'm wrong, but over your short career, you've transitioned from independent to nice guys back to independent and to where you are now at Born Losers Records. So what has that journey been like for you? Um, yeah, uh, I started independent definitely because I didn't really know or, or think that anything would come out of it. Like when I put the first EP out, it was really just like a, a passion project. Like I just thought like friends and family might check it out. And then the day after I, I like posted it on Bandcamp, a YouTube channel called The Lazy Lazy Me, I stumbled across it by pure chance and, and posted it on her her YouTube channel. And then Cold Wind, the song that she posted, just like by chance blew up on that YouTube channel and ended up passing like a million views. And that kind of just kickstarted everything. I was like, oh, geez, it went from being like a passion project, and it still is, but to one that like had some backing to it. And I was like, this could be a little more legitimate than I thought it would be. And then I guess not long after that, I was approached by Nice Guys to, to do some singles with them. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm all for it. Like, I don't have any plan otherwise. So I started releasing singles through them. But I think I never really looked at it as a, as a long-term place to stay. I just wanted to do like a few singles and then kind of leave and see what else was out there. They're all the way in France. And I kind of wanted to be a part of something like closer to home and at least in North America and tap into the scene more. So after the four singles through Nice Guys, I decided to drop one independently um, and that's when I met, uh, his name's Chris as well, from uh, Born Losers and kind of brought me on. And yeah, I'm really happy where I ended up there. So your Instagram followers can see you're not just an incredible musician, but you're an incredible photographer and illustrator as well. A pertinent photograph for this record is obviously the album cover. So three questions. Is it an original was this always the album cover for you or were there other strong contenders and what about the photo made you choose it for the record yeah so the the cat isn't an original actually it's a photo from i think sometime in the 70s it was my mom's family's cat and they had this like little slide photo of it that i could pop in like the slide viewer and like i was just looking through a bunch of their old photos and i saw the cat and i was like I don't know. There's something about this cat that just like fits the album really well. Like it's sitting on the porch, feels like it's in a hometown sort of like environment and just like the kind of golden glow on it. Like everything just kind of fit. So, and, but it wasn't the first idea either. Um, I had a, a cover finished that I was pretty close to moving forward with that I, I took myself and it was kind of like a trippy photo of a hand in this like room with a bunch of red lights on it and a weird background. And I liked it, but when I saw the cat, I, I couldn't turn it <laughs> the cat in there. All right. Thanks so much for answering some of our general questions, Chris. Are you ready to go track by track through the record? Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So with the first track of Jaguar Sons, This Empty Town, we have Red. What are your thoughts on Red? So I love the overall vibe of this first track. It starts with the electric guitar with the slap back delay, some ooze, slide guitar, and a nice bass groove. The thing that stands out about the song and will stand out through the album is how simple the lyrics are. Being able to repeat the lyrics again and again while still changing up the instruments enough that it doesn't get repetitive is quite an amazing accomplishment. When writing this song, was it ever challenging to make sure you had enough happening musically to keep it interesting throughout the song and what made you decide on the song as the opener for the album uh yeah um so this was like another song i think all of the songs kind of happen the same way where the instrumental came first so i, I like kind of already had the instrumental in a spot where like it could technically stand alone and then the lyrics came after and i didn't actually intend to just repeat the same line like i recorded that line 
as sort of a demo just to see what vocals could sound like on the track. And then I like I looped it just to fill more time. So it's like this is what it would sound like if I had more verses. But then I was like, I don't know, this kind of and it creates a almost interesting effect when it repeats the same verse over and over again, but the instrumentals are changing in the background. It's almost kind of like hypnotic in a sense. So just kind of by chance, I stumbled across that and decided to keep it that way instead of record anything else vocally. It might have been a little bit of laziness as well, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really like the end result. And then it kind of happened again and again later in the the album. So... I don't usually read all the lyrics of a song, but my explanation of why I will with this one will actually take longer than just reading the lyrics, which is my reasoning for doing so in the first place. So it's, I look back at you, you look at me, everybody else disappears so easily. Baby, I'm yours, but you're not mine. Be with me. Please just stay for a while and set me free. So obviously, at its most basic level, this song is about wanting to be with someone. But what most fascinates me about the track is actually the track name, Red, and how it relates to the meaning of the song. So from your socials, and even from what you suggested about the album artwork that you didn't end up going with, it seems like you really like Red as you use it a lot for lighting and for kind of setting an ambiance or a atmosphere for things. And also... As a joke, the Canadian flag is red. But anyways, I really don't know the connection and was wondering if you would be comfortable sharing with us the reasoning behind the track title. Yeah, um, it was it was kind of a split. Like I, I named it red when I, it was in demo phase. And maybe this subconsciously just because I like have a lot of red going on, like whether it be lights or, or the Canadian flag or... Um, <laughs> just kind of color preference but for some reason i just named it red and then stuck with like the working title up until the end i was like i never really wanted to change it and then when the album cover had red initially on it i was like fits even more so <laughs> i kind of rolled with the the title red lyrically i don't think there's as much of a connection because the lyrics kind of came after but um i would say it definitely has something to do with my like personal preference and, and just connection to the color, I guess. Awesome. So next up, we have Keep You Warm. Watch your clouds fall by And leave you cold in the night And leave you cold in the Andrew, what are your thoughts on Keep You Warm? So the song has my favorite guitars on the album. They're just so expertly interwoven together, and the tone for each track uh, in the song is just perfect and so, so unique at the same time. Somehow you have a lot going on at once, but each part is so distinct and it never becomes too much. And the verse delay at the end of the song is amazing. So how did you go about writing each part for the guitar for this song and still make sure that it fit well together in the end? Um, yeah, uh, I think I'm always really conscious about like putting in as many layers as possible without overdoing it. Um, sometimes I think I might overdo it a bit. And then other times, actually, probably never really fall short. I usually just overdo it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it, when it starts, like I'll I'll record one, probably like the the core chord progression, and then I'll just start doing all these like high parts and like little like loop sections of the guitar, and, and just kind of see how it interacts with the, like the initial chord progression. And I'll just keep building that up until it feels like cohesive and full enough i guess um but i i really do my best to make sure that it's not like all over the place like that it feels like one solid set or like if you weren't paying attention it maybe feels like one sound altogether instead of like six layers of guitar um i i do that a lot in a lot of the songs that i i write and i really like how it all came together with keep you warm I usually don't go in with like a plan when it comes to those guitar lines. It's just like I'll start recording and then if something sticks, I'll just keep building it up. So I think instrumentally, this is one of 
your strongest tracks on the record. Each part, whether it's the verse, the chorus, or any of the instrumentals, are so strong independently, and when you put them together, they create this unstoppable force. But, and if, oh, sorry, <laughs> and if someone wants to fight this song, they're going to lose every time. So anyways, for me, uh, Red is kind of like a crush song, but Keep You Warm is a love song. And some of my favorite lines on the record are, we never get it right, we never got it wrong, which for me kind of aptly embodies how we often don't admit our faults, our guilt, or we don't admit being wrong, especially in relationships with our partners. But I love most about the song is the repetition of the last line, you'll be all right, I'll keep you warm. You use a lot of repetition on the album, it's not flooded with lyrics, but this line you repeat by far the most on the record. For you, was the repetition of this simply a sonic thing, or was it also connected to the lyrics? And if so, what were you trying to say through that repetition? Yeah, I think, yeah, with with Keep You Warm, it's definitely a love song, like totally about the ups and downs of relationship. And like and like you said, not admitting the rights or the wrongs and the, the faults and the ups and downs and things like that. Um, and then... While it's more more or less about the lows, I really wanted to end it on a positive note and like speak towards like working through those lows and then getting to a better place, which is where you'll be all right. I'll keep you warm comes in. Um, and I think since it's such a short and like quick line, I wanted to just like emphasize it where the and that's where the like repetition comes in. And then sonically, I think it just sounded really cool when it became sort of a chant at the end instead of just like a line as well. Like I almost like doubled the vocal layers on there and just kind of made it this kind of chorus, kind of big uh, vocal moment, I guess. Awesome. Next up, we have time. So, Andrew, what are your thoughts on time? I love this song so much. It has some beautiful melodies and cadences. The mixture of raw instruments and bright-sounding chimes give the song a very bright and layered sound. The first thing I noticed about the song was your willingness to have such a long instrumental after the first section. You don't stick with normal verse, chorus, bridge, song structures on this song and, and the album as a whole. How did you develop the song structure for this song, and how do you tend to piece together sections when you're not following those normal song structure boundaries? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely, I really appreciate when bands let like instrumentals play out um, for like a, a long time and and manage to do it in a way that it doesn't feel like it gets too long. I like I know the line between it getting too long and and not is pretty fine um but i'd much rather like give the listener or or myself more instrumental to listen to and really let it play its part then cut it short and move on to the next part especially because i I put so much of an emphasis on the instrumentals over like the vocals i would say and yeah it, it does make it a bit harder to figure out um song structures and how it's all gonna like pan out as the song progresses i'm not very good at writing like a classic song structure and i kind of wish i was sometimes <laughs> i can never seem to like just do like a classic like verse bridge course like verse thing <laughs> um i'm hoping i can get to that point at some point i want more a few more songs to follow that but um i don't know i kind of just try to transition into what feels most natural and just kind of like make it up as I go like if the instrumental feels good I'll try to follow it up with like either a change up or something else that feels good if that feels right then I'll just keep that rolling and maybe bring it back to the original instrumental like it just kind of it's hit and miss how the process goes so I have two questions for you first I love the aggressiveness of the instrumental it pushes forward very quickly and I was wondering if that was 
intentionally tied with the theme of the lyrics. Yeah, I, I, I would say it was. The this, this song, I guess, at its core is kind of about that feeling of like a relationship coming to the end and you feeling like you've run out of time to make things right and sort of that drastic feeling that coincides with that. So I think like the upbeat and sort of like harder hitting instrumentals kind of played along with those lyrics for me. It definitely just felt like it fit thematically. So the record as a whole is extremely nostalgic, both sonically and lyrically. On this track, you mourn both losing the good times of the past, where you are present with this person, but you also mourn the lost times you could have had with them, but you didn't because you were absent. And I think these two juxtaposing ideas are most obvious with your use of the word miss, where you saying, I guess I missed it, and I'm missing all those days I spent with you. You also end singing I've Run Out of Time, which I think is a realization that nothing lasts forever and some things die or end. But it's also more importantly a realization that time is short and what you do with your time matters. And I think that's such a crucial revelation and an epiphany of becoming an adult um, or at least a young adult. I don't, I don't know if we want to call ourselves adults yet. But was this song always meant to be a coming-of-age track from a lyric standpoint? Or was that something that it became along the way of writing a quote-unquote breakup song? I think that's kind of something that it just became. Like, usually when I'm, I'm writing these songs, it's kind of like on the spot. Like, I have the song file open. Like, I'm ready to, like, test out some vocals. And, like, I sit down and just get, like, a pen and paper and start writing and the song kind of just like comes together almost line by line, but with like a theme driving it. So yeah, I think it, it kind of just naturally became that along the way. And that's like a cool, I guess, view on it too, is that that time is finite and you got to make sure that you do the right thing with it. Um, like you can't just wait until tomorrow to be a better partner in a relationship or anything like that. You've got to put in the effort when it's happening and be present. Thanks so much for sharing that. Next up, we have Messed Up. There's one song in your record I'd use to describe Andrew. <laughs> Here it is. So, Andrew, what are your thoughts on Messed Up? Well, this is probably one of the softest songs on the album. However, even though it's on the slower side of your music, I still can't help but just bop my head to this track and every track that you write. I love the song's chord structure. From the first time I heard it, that third chord in the progression just created a really cool vibe. So how did you end up writing the chord progression for this song? Yeah, I, I think that chord progression was pretty much a result of me uh, just kind of like learning guitar. Um, it was one of like the first sort of things that I kind of like figured out and latched onto because it's like the, the coolest thing I'd, I could play in front of people without like actually knowing what I was doing. Um, <laughs> But like I'd never actually used it for a song up until that point. It had been like years, and I could I, like I just couldn't figure out how to like write the rest of the song to it. Um, so I finally just put it down and started adding more instrumentals, and that's kind of where messed up started, I guess. So prettiest intro of twenty twenty. I mean, it's definitely in the running regardless, despite how elementary it seems to you, Chris. I think it's so, so beautiful and, and so powerful. I love how right after the last track, Time, especially with how it ended, you sing in the second verse of Messed Up, I Need a Little More Time, <laughs> which uh, beautifully embodies, in my mind, you not giving up. On, on Time, I would argue you somewhat dodge responsibility to a certain extent and are just like well i've run out of time i guess that's it and there's nothing i can do about it darn and where on messed up i think you really admit your fault and take ownership of who you are and what you've become and you are no longer fine or apathetic with how things were and if you don't mind sharing what caused that change of perspectives between time and messed up for you personally? 
Yeah. Um, time, time definitely is a, a much more woe is me song, <laughs> no doubt. And I think um, I wrote time. Time was one of the first songs that I wrote on the album. And then messed up was one of the the last ones. And even between that amount of time, I think I had a couple different like experiences in life that just gave more perspective on that, I guess. So I don't know. I think I just went into the song with a different view on how I wanted to write it, um, taking the responsibility of like my own faults and then expressing that in a song and also talking towards doing your best to to do better and, and actually make a change and be a better person the next time around if there is one. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. Next up, we have those days. on those days well yeah this is the first single for the album the song stands out to me as the most unique song on the album it has such an interesting groove to it and it really uses those lower synth kind of bass sounds um a lot more than than has been shown before and it's kind of not used as often throughout the rest of the album then the vocal melodies and cadences really change up the feel to the song throughout as well So what was the process of writing and performing these melodies, harmonies, and cadences? And what made you decide to have this be the first single for the album? I think the process on this one was, like, I I wanted a a song to, like, have a really big hit, like, with the slide guitars, with the layers, with the big, like, drawing, like, synths underneath and those, those kind of hits. And... It was another one of those cases where I wanted to use like vocals really minimally and kind of just have those kind of flutter over top of the song um, until they come in more heavily in the middle of the song, I guess, and kind of take up that space. Um, I think like the reason that we chose for the first single is it just like it's it's a bit more. I guess eye-catching right out the gate, like it jumps into the song and the vocals and like all of that right away, as opposed to some of the other ones where they have like a longer intro or anything like that. I think it was just like a good way to show that like this is different from all the other songs that I've recorded so far and a good tone setter for the rest of the album. So I have two quick questions. First, you mentioned on this track, Waves Break. There's a lot of nature imagery on the record, but I noticed specifically on this song and Messed Up, and as well as the intro and outro to Next Year, those sounds, there's a lot of emphasis on the ocean and um, the shore and stuff, and there's a lot happening in that beach setting. Why was the ocean a special or unique reference point for you in light of this or these relationships and secondly what draws you to use nature and weather imagery throughout your lyrics on this record or your music in general yeah um i just i love being by the water like it's uh i don't live by it so every time i go and like i'm by a lake or at a beach or anything like that or rarely by the ocean like it it just feels like a really special moment and like water is just so like peaceful to me so i think i just use it as like a calming sort of imagery I guess in the the lyrics and the vocals, and I guess as a sample in in next year later on, and yeah, it's just like a nostalgic thing as well. Like just drives to the beach with friends or relationships and things like that. I always like remember those moments probably the most. And I, I think in general, I just take a lot of inspiration from like the weather and being outside, just because I like being outdoors so much. It just kind of comes naturally. It, it comes naturally. naturally. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have Gray Skies.
All right, Andrew, what are your thoughts on Grey Skies? So this album in general is just so well written. Each track so far has been so different, uh, yet there is that cohesiveness that was mentioned earlier. They all seem to carry a lot of the same core elements that I've mentioned, but each track has their own unique musical journey as well. Sonically, the song has the most kind of country sound for me. So what inspired you to write this song with that maybe more country sort of feel? Yeah, um, I, as the album kind of like progressed and I started recording more songs, like Grey Skies is also one of the last songs that I recorded. Um, I got better at recording acoustic guitar because I could never really like figure out how to get a tone that I wanted. But like on this song, I feel like I finally like nailed it. So I, I really threw in the acoustic like as a, a much more prominent force. Um, and I think it's also just like a nod to where I want to take the music as well. Like I really want to keep incorporating more acoustic and more like more of that subtle folky element, I guess. Like I don't want to go full on folk, but I definitely mm-hmm. want to include more of that, like kind of early war on drugs, sort of like mis- Midwest vibes kind of sound. Um yeah, so it's just kind of like a result of me getting better at producing and recording, I guess. Yeah, that's something that I've never really thought of, especially somebody like you who's so independently work. Like, you you kind of really rely on yourself and what you're capable of doing. Like, I imagine that your ability to record certain sounds or your ability to create certain elements really dictates what types of songs you write. Whereas if you were doing things, paying to go to a studio, you feel a little bit more free to just write what you want and let them figure it out. How have you kind of dealt with that dynamic? Yeah. um, Yeah. I'm often kind of like sort of guided by like my ability to do things or inability to do things as well. Um, but I, I almost, I really prefer it that way, I think. I don't think I'd be able to get in the same mindset if I, w- I were to go into a studio and record. I think one of the best things about being here and kind of just using my own um, resources is, like, if it's 11 o'clock at night and I get, like, a, a random burst of inspiration, I can just run in and start recording. Or if it's, like, early in the morning or who knows when, like, it's just nice being able to kind of come in and work on it whenever I, I, I want to or can. And I don't know, there's like something satisfying about kind of doing the whole process alone and having like full creative freedom over it. I think especially with like being a graphic designer, most of the time you're working for someone else's kind of vision on a project. So it's nice having like my own project where I can do like anything and anything goes. I really like that aspect to recording alone. So lyrically, the song reminds me of the commitment level of Keep You Warm, but with two scoops of inadequacy mixed in. Um, For you, what is the value in communicating you're there for someone, even when you feel like you're not enough? Yeah, I guess that that is kind of like a theme that, that sort of pops up a lot. I think it's just like the hope that despite not being at your best, that the person would still understand that and know that you're working towards being your best. Not that any of us ever reached that point, but I think it's just hoping that there's like this cohesive view that you're both working through your your problems, that you both want to stick around through that, I guess. Awesome. Next up, we have the title track, This Empty Town. This Empty Town, which describes any new community that Andrew moves into because everybody <laughs> leaves and doesn't want to be there anymore. All right, Andrew. <laughs> Andrew, what are your thoughts? I feel like you're starting to reach for these a little I know. Bit. That was, I'm, give me like two paragraphs and I'll, I'll tie it all together. <laughs> hey, you got there. You got there. 
<laughs> so this song gives Keep You Warm a run for its money on my personal favorite guitars on the album. They're once again layered so perfectly. This track as a whole is one of my favorites on the album as well. It just is so smooth and has such a pure feel to it. Somehow you're able to create a soundtrack of an empty town with the instruments and production feeling bare and atmospheric, especially without the drums. So how were you able to accomplish that feeling? Uh, With uh, this empty town, it was almost all a result of just like happy accidents and like just pure chance that things worked out. Um, I was really going into it, the mindset of like recording an interlude and maybe in a sense it kind of is because it's a little more toned back, but it just it was a lot longer than I initially intended it to be, I guess. But yeah, I just I kind of picked up the guitar um, and laid down like a kind of cool, like plucky sort of guitar line. And then I just like, I figured I'd try and like duplicate it and throw it in an octave higher and see how like the double speed and octave higher, like interact with it. And that was kind of how the, the core guitar came together. And I was like, Oh no way. This sounds like so cool. So I decided to start rolling with it. I wasn't going to put vocals on or anything, but then like when I threw in the drums and the slide guitar at the end, it just felt like it needed something else in the middle um where the the vocals kind of came in and yeah i think it was just by chance that it felt so much like being in an empty town and it kind of guided the title for the album after i recorded it i called it this empty town and that's when i decided to call the album this empty town as well it just kind of felt like it fit all the other songs thematically yeah so again i'll read all the lyrics to the song because it's so short the sun sets down (laughs) Never saw you come around, remembering all those times we walked around this empty town, remembering all those times we felt we were so profound, remembering all those times we played music so loud. So this song reminds me from a just strictly subjective, obviously all this is subjective, but from a subjective experiential level of being in high school and me and my friends either having these really deep conversations in our eyes or blaring music that backed their own ideologies or like really shouting from the rooftops what we believed or felt in that uh, point in time. And I've realized getting older that there are a lot of things I'm less certain about than I used to be. And there's so much more uncertainty that I thought existed. But looking back, that's kind of how the song hit me personally. If I'm trying to put myself in your shoes based off of all I've learned through the other tracks, I think it's interesting how, and maybe this isn't how you see it, but or how you intended to write it, but I think it's interesting how the town was empty before, but at least this other person was with you. And now this town is empty, and they're not there. <laughs> and so I have a few questions. The first is, is this empty town a specific town? And is this empty town also a metaphor of how you see yourself? Yeah, that's, that's really cool that you like jump back to like high school nostalgia and like exactly what you said, like deep conversations, like drives around, blasting music, like being so sure about things because life was so much simpler back then. Like that's exactly what that song is about. Um, and exactly what I wrote down for my notes on the on the songs. Um, and yeah, like this this empty town is about the town that I still live in right now. Like I'm I live in a small town in, in southern Ontario and it was kind of like that, like where it's a, it's a small town. There's not a lot to do, but like having friends and, and relationships within that space just kind of like filled it with this life. And it's not like this dreary, like depressing town now. <laughs> like I still have friends, friends here and, and stuff like that. But like life gets busier and it's it's harder to hang out as much as we used to and, and things like that. So it, it's kind of like a nod to like those days sort of like fading and life kind of taking over. I'm not like super sad or anything living here, but it's like <laughs> I, I thought it was a cool kind of look on on how like life has kind of changed over the time in this in this place. And lastly, how do you feel looking back on moments where you felt certain now knowing things were a lot less certain than you thought they were back then? I I really like respect my like certainty back then I guess like I I wish I was still as like sure about the things that I wanted to do and like um maybe as 
blissfully unaware of what like life has to come like as I was back then like it was a really nice time I would say like I look back to high school and like early college very fondly um but then like I also really appreciate where I am right now as well like and where things have gone like post-college with music and everything like that and following these things that I really care about awesome thanks so much for sharing lastly we have next year This is when I want to see you at the very <laughs> earliest <laughs> um, next year. What are your thoughts on the song? <laughs> that one works better. That, that was good. That was good. And this song is the perfect closer for the album. The song has my favorite vocals on the whole album. Uh, of course, there's more vocals on the song than the rest, but the execution is perfect as well with those vocals. It's the longest song on the record by quite a bit, and it really needed to be. The musical journey of the song is so layered and complex that you had to use its almost six-minute runtime um, just really perfectly uh, to be able to fit all those elements and that journey uh, together. Another really interesting part of this song is the drum pattern. So how did you come up with that pattern? And overall, how did you go about approaching and viewing the drums for your songs? Yeah, this is actually one that I, I recorded or I started recording like probably three years ago, like definitely the oldest track on on the record. And I decided to bring it back and I'm, I'm really glad I did. So with the drums, like I use a, a sampler, I'll like have like a kick and a snare assigned to like different buttons and I'll just finger drum everything out. And I guess it makes it really easy to get like super percussive with things. And like, I really like getting super percussive with things and like adding as many like different little drum hits as I can before it like gets too big again. And I think like, I think probably on next year is, I would have to say it's like my favorite drum production wise, for sure. Like, I was just kind of like rolling with it. I remember when recording it, like adding like layer by layer, like I'd grab random things around the room, like tin can and like hit it and like layer it in there. And and everything just felt like really cohesive and like, I don't know, really progressive from a beat standpoint. So lyrically, next year just does a killer job wrapping up everything on the record. Every song before this song has dealt with the past, the present, or a combination of the two. This is the first song that really, and the only song that's really looking towards the future, I'd say. And there's so much I could talk about or ask you about on the song, but I just want to focus on the last four lines because I think there's so much there. So I'll read it quickly. Small talks, long walks, cold wind, deep thoughts, sunrise, her eyes, dashboard, blue skies. So I have a few questions, so please bear with me. So Cold Wind was the first song of yours I heard. Uh, you mentioned uh, the Lazy Lazy Me. That's what it's called, right? Yeah, yeah, the Lazy Lazy I, Me. Yeah, so I definitely follow her on YouTube, but I also am subscribed to David Dean Burkhart. And I basically, I just try to listen to every song he posts because there's so many gems in there. And Cold Wind was like one of those gems for me. So first off, I guess David Dean Burkhart, he's posted a lot of your stuff as well. How has your relationship been with him or other people like him or like the lazy lazy me or like even spotify playlists and how have those types of playlists helped grow your audience do you feel yeah um they're all so mysterious uh <laughs> like the lazy lazy me I, I thankfully like got to to message her and, and just thank her for posting the song but then like shortly after like just totally disappeared on all like 
social media platforms. Like I couldn't find her again. Her YouTube channel still exists, yeah. um, but I just have no clue to contact her. And then <laughs> David Dean Burkhart is also super mysterious because like I've he he started like posting my music when I started releasing with Nice Guys because I think they had connections with him. Um, but then after Nice Guys, like he still posted the song. Like I, my single that I released called "The Heart" between this album and and then uh, with Nice Guys, like I released that independently, and he posted that without me contacting him. Mm-hmm. And then like I, I emailed him all the songs for like the album, but I never got a response. But he still posts them anyways. <laughs> so like I, I have no clue who he is or like where he is or <laughs> if he sees my emails or not. Like I have no idea. But the songs <laughs> keep going up, so I'll take it. <laughs> but yeah, like getting getting things shared on those YouTube channels and then like the Spotify playlists as well. It's it does like crazy things for the growth. Um, like the Spotify, like like their editorial playlists, especially like seeing the songs get put in some of those and seeing like the crazy amounts of growth that they get from that is is pretty insane. Um, the growth for like a natural and organic like true following still definitely takes time like just because one of the songs it's puts in like a spotify playlist and it gets like skyrocketed in streams like the the real people that come and like actually follow and really care about the music is still like much smaller and slower but like it really helps kind of boost the exposure and bring more people to to follow and to jump on board and pay attention i guess Okay, back to Cold Wind. Was that reference on this track an intentional kind of ode to that track, or did it just happen by accident? I, I, I think it was like a little a little ode, kind of a mix of an accident and also just like an ode to the song. Like when I was kind of writing that like shotgun blast of like memories and ideas, um, Cold Wind just kind of felt like it fit naturally into that spot. Um, but I also really liked that it was a tie back to like the first song and where it all started as well. Yeah. I didn't even realize how like that is actually an interesting fact too with this, um, with this record being about nostalgia, like kind of like going back to the beginning of your songwriting as well. And a nostalgic sort of way of viewing that as well. I never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> so all right the also the line sunrise her eyes i think beautifully contrasts the first two lines on the last track the title track this empty town and also the ending of the record ending it with blue skies a couple songs after gray skies also helps create this incredibly hopeful ending. How difficult was it for you to tie everything together from the album lyrically on this last track? And then also, how important was it for you to end on a, I would argue, a hopeful note? I, I feel like I was actually just really like lucky when I was writing next year. Like it came together really naturally like I, I didn't have to like try and grasp for like connections it kind of just happened as I was writing it and I'm really glad that happened because like I, I I can take a lot of time with vocals like it, just because it doesn't come as naturally to me so when everything just came together so cohesively and smoothly especially for the, like the, the final closing track it was just like a really nice way to sort of tie things off in a really smooth way to and the album, which was cool, um, through the recording process, I guess. And then was there intentionality ending, hopefully, or was that kind of just like how it happened as well? That's kind of just how it happened, too. But I, I'm also really glad that that's how it kind of naturally came out as well, because I, I really appreciate it, that it, it, I was able to end it on a positive note. Because um, I definitely didn't want it to just be like this grim sort of downtrodden like look on nostalgia and like old memories that aren't around like i wanted there to be like this air of like positivity to the whole thing as well i think that's why most of the tracks kind of like feel much more vibrant and upbeat than maybe the lyrics kind of portray i kind of like that contrast between or i guess that bittersweet sort of feeling between something being like gone or not around anymore but then also like looking forward to what's coming around the corner too yeah, for sure. I think it's it's funny because for me, 
the first song I got into was Keep You Warm. And that song's lyrics I knew the best. And I had listened to the record a few times, and it feels so hopeful. And especially Keep You Warm's lyrics are, in my mind, like very hopeful, very like loving, very powerful. And until I started actually like listening, I was like, this is not as like bright uh, as bright of a view of nostalgia as you think. It also has a, a lot of darkness with it as well. But you do a, a, such a good job of kind of not disguising it, but packaging it in such a pretty way that you really have to listen to pick those ideas up. Yeah, yeah. There's often like a bit of a disconnect um, between the vocals or the lyrics and, and the vibe of the song. Um, but I kind of I really like that sort of aspect where it's, you kind of like double take almost and like, oh, wait, this is like kind of sad, but also I feel good. <laughs> to it. All right. Thanks so much for sharing about each track. Before we close, we'd like to each share our favorite song. Now, Chris, if you don't have a favorite song, that's OK. You do not have to share. Or if you feel like we, we use the metaphor, they're all your babies. You don't have to pick a favorite, a favorite child. But Andrew and I will share our favorite songs first. And if you'd like to share, you can share yours. So, Andrew, what is your favorite song on This Empty Town? Yeah, this album is extremely consistent. So I don't feel like there's any that stand out to me as like head and shoulders above the rest because they're all just so good. Um but I think the one that I kind of uh, do just go back to a little bit more is Keep You Warm. I just think it's a really, really tight song. The, the songwriting is top-notch. Again, they're my favorite guitars, so that also kind of gives it a, a slight edge. But uh, whole record's great, but I'm going to pick Keep You Warm as my favorite. Nate, what is your favorite track on the album? So I usually wait till right now to decide because I never know what Andrew's going to pick. So Keep You Warm was definitely, there was a good chance I probably would have picked that, though not a 100% chance. I'm going to go with Messed Up just because I think it's hard to capture such like raw beauty to me in, in music sometimes. And I just feel like that song is so beautiful on not only a instrumental front, but also lyrically in a way of just like despite not feeling beautiful on a certain level, still making a commitment to a person and letting them know, like, I'm going to give my best to you and I'm here for you, even though, like, I haven't been who I can be. And so I just think it's... It's rare to find a song that beautiful on all fronts, and so that's gonna be that's gonna be my favorite. But Chris, what people care about is your favorite. So, what's your favorite track? If you'd like to share, you don't have to. Oh yeah, totally. Um, and and thank you. That that means a lot, actually. Um, it's really cool hearing what everyone kind of gravitates towards the most. I would say like I have a maybe from like a overall song perspective next year is my favorite just because i feel like i i pack so much like stuff in that i i like to do like recording wise into a song but then from a like overall production standpoint i think gray skies would be it mm. and then maybe from a thematic standpoint uh this empty town kind of like takes that so kind of it's a little split between like three so there's eight songs on the album Andrew and I chose two, you chose three, and our song selections were so bad that we didn't get any of your favorites. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. I, I'm really like happy with "Keep You Warm" as well. Like I, the especially the guitars at the end, like the guitar solo-ish thing that happens. My friend Jesse recorded that, and I'm like so in love with how that turned out. Um, I thought he killed it with that part. So thanks again, Chris, for joining us. Everyone, go to Bandcamp, support Chris by buying Jaguar Sun music and merch. He's got a beautiful cassette tape for this empty town. Get them before they sell out. Chris, thanks again for joining us. It was such a pleasure. Best of luck moving forward, and we're greatly anticipating any future releases. But in the meantime, we'll continue to blast this empty town for a long, long time. Yeah, this was, this was amazing. Thank you. 
So that was our interview with Chris Manili from Jaguar Sun. If you want to support him, make sure to check out his Instagram, his Bandcamp. Just just support him. Find him on all different socials. Buy his music, the cassette, everything that Nate said. If you would like to support us, you can also follow us on our socials. We have Twitter and Instagram, both at LDL Pod, and you can email us at LongDistanceListening at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to the pod. To your friends about them that helps us be able to do more interviews like this highlighting underrated artists that we believe are amazing and need to be heard so thank you so much for listening and have a great day Smallpox, wet docks, bold sin, weep moths, moon dies, his thighs, backboard, true lies.